When my son was really little, one of his most pressing questions was how we know who is a good guy and who is a bad guy. In theory, although it isn't all that easy to explain to a four-year-old, we know the problems with his question. From our Unitarian tradition, we affirm that people are not ultimately their actions. People change, or at least they are always capable of change. And so no one is reduced to good or bad. And as universalists, we believe that salvation is a collective enterprise. So we are all in this life together. There is no way to draw a line between all of us that does not ultimately run through the middle of each of us. No way to deny any other person's humanity without also denying our own. As Chrissy and Raymond articulated so well in their chalice lighting, this collective understanding of humanity is at the heart of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and work, especially in his dream of the beloved community. Now, sometimes we speak about beloved community as simply a community that we love, like this one, or even a community where we experience our own belovedness. These are not small statements in and of themselves, of course. And yet they are not the beloved community, capital B, capital C, that King meant to describe. For him, beloved community was a vision of heaven on earth, where we all have what we need to thrive, a vision of life without poverty, life without violence, life without racial or economic injustice. Most importantly, the beloved community was for King, not some idealistic pipe dream, but rather something truly possible that we can in this lifetime make a reality. Not because of massive action taken all at once or some great march that would in an instant change everything, but, be, but because when we start from the assumption that we are all beloved children of God and all worthy of love and belonging, all woven together in that single garment of destiny, then in our everyday acts, in the way that we speak and in the way that we listen, in the choices that we make, shifts in each of us. Beloved community is the inevitable outcome. This is the theory and the ideas that we hold dear as Unitarian Universalists and of people of courageous love. And yet, when we hear stories like what happened to George Floyd, or when we watch all that unfolded at the Capitol, or when we witness any of these cruel things that have become far too common and gone on far too long in our country. When we face these realities, the fear of these realities, the shock and the pain, then often all these ideas and theories about human nature fall away. And instead of leaning into our interdependence, we turn to starting to sort out the good and the bad, the drawing of a firm line and placing ourselves squarely on the side that we can identify as good. Drawing a line between us and the brutality keeps the pain at a certain distance after all. 
Sorting out good people from bad people provides a kind of mediation, a coping technique to provide a sense of control amidst chaos and a way to manage what might otherwise overwhelm. Drawing a line pushes the painful, pushes away the painful reality that racism and the forces of white supremacy live in all of us. The painful reality that these are not monsters, but fellow human beings. The painful reality that we are all caught up in this mess together, no one disposable, all interconnected especially those of us who live in white bodies with the privilege slash misperception of deciding whether or not these stories matter all that much to our own lives. We rely on this protective stance because otherwise that pain, it might just be too much to bear. But the problem is when we push this pain back, we take ourselves out of the story so that the distance that protects our hearts from breaking too much also keeps us from the only path that would heal the pain. Because it is only when we allow ourselves to be fully present, to show up fully, to really feel the grief, the grief that there are no hard lines to be drawn, the hard truth that we are all humans simply encountering other humans, the hard truth that racism and white supremacy is not someone else's problem to solve or a problem that lives somewhere else. Only then can we feel what King called the fierce urgency of now. And it is this urgency that ensures a more comprehensive approach to accountability as we look not just to the individuals who have perpetrated the violence, but to the systems of oppression that we are all caught in and created by. And as people in white bod bodies that we benefit from. And so in the middle of this moment, this, this painful moment, let us resist the urge to draw hard lines that would dehumanize any other person, however righteous it may seem. And instead, let us see ourselves in each other relentlessly. Let us see ourselves in each other relentlessly, knowing that this mirror will lead us to grief for the world as it could be, yet it's not. And even more for grief for the ways that we may wish we were, but are not. Feel the grief of this moment. Because in this grief, there is also our gift. In our grief resides our real readiness for change. And in our heartbreak lives our best hope for breaking through. Because when our hearts break, we remember our longing for the beloved community. And we remember that building the beloved community requires all of us. <laughs>